What's going on, everybody? You've got the card board coach here with your boy, Coach Co. And team, we've got a very special guest on the podcast here today. We've got Steven from Filth Bomb Breaks. How are you doing today, man? Man, I'm feeling great. How about you? Uh, a lot better now that you're here. <laughs> so team if you guys follow me on instagram you have probably seen either uh filth bomb or you've seen steven's face before um i wanted to be i wanted to introduce the people who haven't met steven um and just filth bomb in general and talk a little bit about what filth bomb's about uh you know where where the name came from where where this inception started and uh really dive into some important hobby topics as well. So Steven, I want to thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to jump on here today. Yeah. Thank you for having me for real. I appreciate it. Awesome, man. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, your own collecting journey first and foremost. So uh, where does it start? Where does, you know, now all of a sudden it's 2023 Philip on breaks is pretty big in, in the breaking space. You guys have been doing a lot uh, with respect to fanatics um, you know, your allocation is on point. Uh, we can talk about that later on as well. Uh, but like, how did we get here? You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, it started from as early as I can remember, uh, collecting my dad. I remember being, I couldn't be older than five. My dad would bring home the factory sets from the eighties. Um, and then some wax packs from the eighties. I remember being in his bedroom, opening up packs, looking for the Tom Glavin rookie. And it was just, you know, it got me hooked from there. Um, then as I got older, you know, I'd ride my bike to the local deli, buy packs of tops uh, from there, try to go to the flea market, go through the quarter bins as a kid. Um, so, I mean, I collected my whole life. I didn't, we didn't have a ton of money growing up, so I couldn't buy, you know, any fancy hobby boxes. You know, a big box for us was blaster boxes at Walmart yeah. or Target or whatever it was. I remember buying ovation blasters nice. from baseball. The card looked like the ball. Um, but then, you know, like everyone in high school, I took a little bit of a break from collecting. Um, but about 10 years ago now, I got back into collecting. Um, Jackie Robinson, I really, you know, had a passion for collecting Robinson and the Dodgers, Brooklyn Dodgers. Uh, so I started buying up his cards and then, um, 2017, 2018, I discovered breaking and it just was like a perfect marriage. I was like, all right, this I could actually do and potentially make a living doing. I don't care if it's a great living because I just enjoy it. So I was just ready to take the leap. And I went, you know, hundred percent into it. And then fast forward with a little bit of luck from COVID obviously, but yeah. That blew up the hobby. Didn't expect to ever be here, but we're here, you know? I love it. I got a few questions for you. The first, you said sure. you rode over to your local deli. Is, that, yeah. bagels and, is that bagels and wax, bro? Hell no. Oh, no, man. Uh, what? I don't even know if Redeem had it yet. Yeah, yeah. No, um, he, no said, he, a... said, he said back in the day they had allocation. Did they? Yeah, bro. That's why I asked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah I'm yeah. like. Driving, I'm like 25 minutes from him, so there's no way I was riding my bike there. <laughs> uh, like a little, like a straight 800 square foot deli that had Boar's Head, and there was just 
one box of top series one or score. Um, so we would go a pack at a time, you know? That's so interesting that delis back in the day had, had, had cards, man. Like, yeah. cause I mean, this is multiple instances now that I've heard of delis having allocation for tops. Yeah. yeah. It was, um, delis would have it. There were tobacco stores that would have it. Yeah. List by us that carried like high end baseball. So they had like UD Ionics, uh, really? for like out back in like the late nineties. So I can never afford those, but it was just, we'd go, I'd go window shop at the florist. That's so wild, man. I love that. The yeah, other thing I want to, I mean, I also want to point out the fact that like you said, you jumped back in like 10 years ago. Like that's, I mean, that's ahead of when a lot of people's timeline is right. Like, I mean, I, I've heard of people coming back, I, especially in, in Canada, you hear like 2015 when like Connor McDavid's rookie year, like, but we, and not a lot of people jump back in in 2013. What, what prompted you to jump back in in 2013? It was just, it's always been a passion. So it's like, you know, whether it be, I'd be home one night bored and I'd go look through my collection, you know, and then you would just like rekindle the fire. Yeah. Um, I actually had a store. I opened up a store in our town in 2014, but it wasn't focused on sports cars as much as um, memorabilia and stuff like that, like sports gifts. But yeah. after six months, I pulled the plug because like the hobby was dead. You know, and I was like, all right, this is bad. I'm bleeding out. But um, I just always in the back of my mind, I was like, I definitely want to do something with this. It just that wasn't, you know, that didn't click. But in anything in life, I realized like when you're supposed to be doing what you're doing, things go your way. Yeah. It's like it's kind of I always say it. my brother-in-law laughs, John. Yeah. But when you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, like like things part, you know, and it's like it makes your path so easy. And like if you know, you think about it. It's like anything you did in life in the past that didn't go your way. If you really think about those moments, there was so much going against you. And like, you would just, you know, an entrepreneur, you're always going to be stubborn. You're like, no, I could do this. I could do this. But there's enough things go against you where it's just not possible. Yeah. You know, but like, things like with Phil bomb, it's like, I don't want to say like the Midas touch, but like a lot of things, you know, it's like, I'm right a lot more than I'm wrong. And yeah. it's just, it's because you're doing what you're supposed to be doing in life. But like, think about how many times you had to fail in order for that to happen. You know what I mean? I, like, I mean, it, it's like, even the fact that like, I had no idea that you opened like a shop and, and that didn't do well. And you had to pull the plug on that. Right. Like, so there's just, there's something to be said about continuing, like to try even after you, I mean, quote unquote, shit the bed. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I failed in so many facets of life before I, you know, got to this point. Like I, Literally, I always had the entrepreneur um, mentality, so I never really had a real job. I was always trying to work for myself, doing something, whether it's selling on eBay as a, you know, in my early 20s. Um, I was in the music industry and I was trying to, you know, do something. Yeah. Um, knock down, knock down, knock down, knock down. And it's like you get depressed after a while because like you're like, shit, it's now we're looking at 15 years you know, from somebody on the outside looking in, they're like, yo, this kid's quote unquote a bum, yeah. you know, like anything. And it's like, yeah. meanwhile, you're going a million miles a minute trying to achieve something. And it's just, it's nothing's coming to fruition. Um, but like this actually, it just shows when you're ready to put a thousand percent into something, it'll grow if it's yeah. supposed to, you know. Which is funny because I mean, if you were to ask you back then, like, were you putting a thousand percent in it? You probably still say yes. 
Oh, I was. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just it's just like a different thousand, though. It's like you learn from like the first thousand and you're like, okay, like, how can I how can I use like better energy? You know what I mean? Like, it's it's not enough to just like throw everything you have on it. at, But like you also you learn a little bit from those experiences you're like, okay, I need to put more of this and, and less of this. And you know what I mean? It, it becomes like a like a like a perfect sauce. And you learn to accept failure, right? It's failure was so much harder to swallow at the beginning. And then you kind of get numb to it. Like if you want to be successful, if you want to be an entrepreneur, you just have to take the L's and just like kind of like not even think about them, just brush them right off. It's like, it is what it is. Like I lost, but I'm moving on to the next. And um, it's so, like I mentioned, I was in the music industry. It's crazy how much, how parallel these two universes are. Uh, the sports card hobby and the music industry. Like, elaborate, elaborate on that. Oh, it's just, you know, you're, I'm trying to promote music that people don't necessarily want. Yeah. I'm using the same marketing tools, same everything, but I'm promoting a proven commodity that people actually do want, yeah. you know, and it wasn't necessarily what I was doing that was wrong with the music. It was just the product I was selling wasn't what people wanted compared to now. Yeah. So it, it's so crazy. So you were doing like mainly marketing in the, in the music industry? No, I was um singer songwriter. So I was trying to be an artist. Like if I would have gone the songwriter route, I probably could have made a living in the music industry as a songwriter. But like I'm stubborn, you know, and I'm like, no, I want to be an artist. I want to be an artist. And it's so hard to be an artist. Yeah. Like count on one hand how many people are really famous. Yeah. Like I was going for an impossible, you know, thing. And I always have my sights set so high. Like I always try to go as big as I can. I feel like and, you kind of have to do that though, right? Like I feel like if you're if you're going to do something big, you kind of have it has to be like it needs to scare the shit out of you. It needs to be like so have, unrealistic, like to, to an extent you have to be delusional. Yeah, you know? because like it's like you're you're probably not going to reach like that, but like in the pursuit of that, like you're going to gain so many valuable tools. You're going to kind of become the person you need to be like in case that is actually what you want to do. But like, like when it all like when it's all said and done, you know what I mean? I say it all the time, like that journey. I was in the music industry for 15 years. Um, That is the reason why I'm successful doing what I'm doing now. Like it prepared me and it. There's so much stuff I took from that that I was able to apply here yeah. where it's like, ah, uh, it didn't work there, but it worked here. You know, it's like, oh, that makes sense. Like I was doing it right. I just wasn't doing it to the right people. Yeah. It's that now it's like a whole it opened up a whole new world. Yeah. So talk to me 2017. Like, what does the landscape look like for breaking in 2017? I mean, it wasn't there was like five breakers, I think, that I really? can remember. Yeah, there weren't a lot of breakers. You had, you know, the original guys, and then like when I got into it, I'd say I really went hard like 2018. So like Acuna, Acuna year. You must have seen some crazy pulls out of that. Yeah. Acuna, yeah. Acuna, Shohei. Ani Bowman was like one of the first like product. But the crazy thing is like they're. What, was, know, it, time... what, was, it, what was it going for back then? So I remember when I was breaking it, I pulled an Atomic uh, Otani and I bought it back for over comps at the time because I was like, I'm a big believer in Otani. Even then yeah. I bought it at 3,500 bucks or something for the Atomic and like that card's like so much more now, but like that's yeah. where the, you know, like your big card, your chases were like that. Um, but yeah, it, that's I mean, what 30, 3,500 is not a bad, it's not a bad hit even today though. No, but imagine what, who could you compare that to right now? 
like Salas. Well, Salas did what 50k on the buyback. Yeah, but it's like it's not. It was he was just so much bigger than like that because it, yeah. at the time, you know, it was like he was the next Babe Ruth. Like he was getting those comparisons. Yeah. So like that card. I wonder. I'm curious. Uh, I'm on my phone with this. I'm curious. <laughs> that card. It's got to be like 20k plus raw. Um, but back to your point. Yeah, there was like nobody there. It was like. I told everyone that when I was doing it, I was like, yo, this is so ripe for the picking this hobby right now. Like there's no McDonald's. I always said it was no golden arches. Yeah. The, and the hobby at the time didn't even have a logo. I was like, oh, we're ready to cook. It's, this is definitely cookable right yeah. now. Yeah. And, and how did, like, how have you seen breaking change over like the last five years or so? Like, obviously there's a ton more breakers in the space. Um, you know, what were the sentiments on breaking back then? Were they more positive than they are now? Like, how do you find how the hobby has, you know, either adapted to breaking or accepted breaking? Um, so back then, it was definitely people were more, I guess, receptive to it. It was a lot cheaper, you know, like it's like if you wanted to get in a break, it was like wasn't expensive at all. Um like I remember Bowman, you were doing like random teams on a full case of Otani. It was like I think eighty to hundred bucks. You know, it's like you can't sniff anything at that price anymore. That's wild. I know, and it was um, I don't I, I guess now it's like the whole everything shifted. It's like breakers are looked at as like used car salesmen now. Yeah, they have negative connotation like you're and, part of you're the, you're the problem you're the, the yeah reason, you're like, reason why i can't afford wax you're the reason why yeah you know like it, all I, these things i right like there are people so anybody that was breaking in 2017 2018 like they were making money but they weren't getting filthy rich off of it you know it was like yeah. and when i did it where i tell everyone this when i did it i did the math i was like yeah, listen i could probably make 50 grand a year breaking and i was like that's not a lot of money. I was like, but I'm working for myself. I'll work from home yeah. and I'm in. Like, yeah. I want to actually be happy, you know? So yeah. to me, like the money, but it was never about the money. And a lot of people came into the space that didn't really have the right intentions over the last two, three years. And it was just like a money grab. Like, let's see how much we could grab as fast as we can. And I don't like, there's so many people I spoke to that I was like, what are your plans? Like, I don't care if this doesn't work. I'm going to blah, 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 blah. And it's like, oh, so you're not like, like you're, you're not you're not serious. Really, you know what I mean? You're not like no, you're not yeah, yeah. You're, yeah. Not, you're trying to catch a lick and be out. Yeah. And I like I'd say like nine out of every ten people I spoke to in the hobby, they were the same way. I'm like, you're not worried, you know, if like things go bad. It's like, nah, okay, I'll go right back to what I was doing. So it's like, all right. Like, I guess, you know, like to me, I couldn't even think about that. I'm like, yeah. nah, this is like this is it. I'm not trying to lose this. This is like my thing yeah so i think to a certain extent people saw bad sides of people and they were like eh, you know this guy's slimy this guy's not trustworthy this guy you know he's in it for the money this guy like obviously you have to make some money but it's like if your end game is 25 30 years from now not two months from now it's a completely different thing yeah you know you could go base it base it base it you don't need to hit four straight home runs yeah no that makes sense oh i like that <laughs> I like that. 
So talk to me about like as as Filth Bomb has has started to expand, and I mean now you've got like your own shop, and you've got a lot more uh, staff. I mean you guys now are creating content, and you're you're running advertising, and now like on fanatics and stuff of that nature. Like, I mean how does how does like the day to day change? Like, uh, you know, is, like in terms of responsibilities, in terms of I mean so many things. I mean it's it's a huge change because it went from just me breaking and that was like the business right just me breaking yeah it was hard for me to transition and take a back seat and not 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 be the face but like that was my passion like i loved being on the camera and i loved talking to people and like the community aspect of it and it was hard to take a back seat and be like all right now you you do this you do what i did and now i need to focus on Growing allocation, getting new breakers, you know, worrying about getting stuff here on time, checking our inventory, um, pricing out breaks. And it was just, and that's like the tip of the iceberg. There's so much stuff I'm not even thinking of. It was just random things. Yeah. I made, I've really been making an effort to try to, you know, like the business grew in the last two years. Like it's evident we grew. But I mean, people, people definitely know that. I've had people come up to me and tell me that, right? They're like, oh yeah, Filth Bomb. Like I literally spoke to someone yesterday who they were like, yo, Filth Bomb's doing really well lately. I'm like, yeah, they're yeah. They're, put, they're putting in the work. It worked, but I, I, I try to get out of there and I want to be in the seat again, you know? So I've been breaking more. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've been like, doing live breaks on Fanatics and then you were, you were with uh, like Odell Beckham. Like talk to me about that. Like, dude, I mean, Five years ago, 10 years ago, like, would you ever, do you ever think that this was going to be a thing? Like, talk to me no. about that experience. Well, I always, so that's the thing, like, it's very much like the music industry, right? Where I was always, like, I have a, I'm not even going to say it because people are going to look it up, but I have, like, song with, like, famous artists. And I got, I got to look this up. It's like, a, like a collab, right? So I was, like, yeah. always missing. Like, why do we not have celebrities collabing? And, like, when I started, because we didn't have a ton of money when we were first starting it off, but I got a Negro League baseball player in. Wow, and, really? And I was like one of the first people to do it. I was like, let's bring him in. Let's interview him as we're opening up Pantheon Baseball. And I was like, talk about, like he was talking about Satchel Page, stories about like those guys. And I was like, there's something here, but we were just such a small entity. It was so hard to like build off that momentum, but I always wanted to do it. So then when the Odell thing came, I remember just standing between them two. And at one point, I was just like, fuck. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. like, like, I don't even like, I might, I might go down right now. You know, like I was like, this is crazy. It felt like I was out of my body, like looking down. Cause it's like, how did this happen? So, you know, like from my kitchen table to now I was in the fanatic studio with Ruben and OBJ. I mean, they asked me for a couple bucks. I said, I couldn't really spare anything, but <laughs> i love it man that's crazy i mean yeah I, I was watching live i'll say like the one thing that really is just driving me nuts about fanatics live is the fact that like i can't get on it like I, I, they just haven't opened it up for us just yet you know and like i think um i mean i don't know i do you know do you have any insider information on like when that's gonna happen no idea like, we're getting all the time like people get mad at us like we did it you yeah. know yeah i'm like I'm just, yeah, and it makes sense, right? Because I, I, especially because you guys are breaking, like, you're breaking. I would you say primarily on Fanatics Live right now? Yeah, we shifted a ton of our business there. I just believe it's the future. Yeah, 
And I mean, ultimately, like this, this hobby is pretty much about relationships, right? Like it's, and I mean, Fanatics has already provided you with an experience that you're probably never going to be able to replicate, you know, like the fact that you were able to do a break with, with Odell Beckham Jr. And, and Michael Rubin. I mean, talk to me about uh, even Rubin, like, how has he been? I mean, do you, do you talk to him directly? Like, do you no, get- that was like one of the only times I met him a couple times, but that was like the most time we ever spent together. He's cool though. Super humble. Um, you know, like you could, if you spoke to him, you wouldn't be like, wow, this guy's worth billions. Yeah. You know, like super cool. Um, but yeah, like, that's really like, we don't, we're not boys. Like, like that. <laughs> He's in my contacts. He's in my contacts. No. <laughs> I text someone when he's down in Philly to say what up. <laughs> yeah. Me and Meek chilled. Pardon? No, I was like, me I was like, bro, I was, did you, have you met Meek or no? I, I, I was like in the same room as him, but I, I'm, I'm shy. I wasn't going to be like, hey, what up, Meek? You know? <laughs> Why not, bro? Just go up and say, what's going on? Yo, I listen to yeah. your music. Yo, I made music, man. That's a perfect transition. What's wrong with you? Yo, I'm soft. I don't talk to any. You know me. I'm so... Yeah, yeah. I'm not going up to anyone. I love that. Talk to me about what what's... What do you see right now? Like, what do you like most about where the hobby's at? I think I like the fact that we are breaking barriers, kind of, right? Like, we did the hundred case update and it didn't go the best, right? Like there were no big cards, whatever, but the concept was there. You know, it was, we brought a hundred cases to one place and provided an experience that you're not going to get anywhere else. Like you're, yes, you could buy into a hundred cases over time, but we went with the concept of let's get a hundred cases and get a community and put on a show and have people that want to, participate in something like that all in the same room and we had like 200 people going back and forth all 12 hours um and we were like this is just a tip it worked you know like it the cards that were supposed to come out didn't come out but we we're like there's something here so now we're just going bigger we went you know with new products that came out 100 case bowman draft I, i'm sure it, it may have been done before but not um to the extent that we're doing it as far as like the platform uh more people are knowing about it yeah uh, you know there's people from all over trying to get in this break whether they're coming from facebook instagram um i know blowout forums runs big breaks um i can't speak to how big what's the biggest break they've ever done but i know a lot of these people that do the big breaks are usually you know over days you know five 10 days somebody took a month i think to run 100 cases of something uh because it's by themselves like we've assembled a team i put a lot of money into making sure we have a full staff so we're able to handle breaks like this and get them shipped out like we're shipping out the bowman break the next day really where you know we're gonna have 100 cases broken and then ship the next day that's wild Um, but you need a team you know so it's like we're trying to elevate and bring it to like a whole new level yeah, I mean, I was trying to, I, w- I was actually going to ask, like, like what happens during one of those 12 hour sessions, bro? Like, how does that, like, do people swap in and out? Like, what's, yeah. like, how many um, people, how many people are working that? Like, talk to me about, like, what a hundred case break looks like on update. So we were like, we're trying to project how long it's going to take. So I we already like, know Ralph, Ralph stays in there the whole time for sure. Yo, Ralph, <laughs> but so we were like, we were, 
like John was like, oh, it should take three minutes of box or four minutes of box or something. And I'm like, no way, man. Like, I was like, this is going to be like a 10 hour thing. And John was like, no, it's going to be eight. Somebody was like, no, it's going to be five hours. I'm like, you guys have no idea. And it wound up taking, I think, 14 hours to like do. And that's with, we had a person just opening packs. There was our only job. We had a person uh, top loading and sleeving. That was our only job. And someone just going through the cards. And we had another person sorting, kind of sorting in the background. So between four people, 14 hours. And like, it still took us on that one because there was a ton of base. It took us like a week to get everything sorted, sleeved, shipped out, and like finalized. Um, so we added even more people to the team. And we're like, you know, like we saw the concept, concept worked. We're yeah. like, we want this to be efficient. We want to be able to throw these breaks up and make it no different than if you're getting in a one case picture team with a breaker. Because yeah. you're getting cases, it's breaking all that day, and you're getting that thing shipped out the next day, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's it's a legit marathon sesh, you know? Like, it's almost like watching, uh, like, like morning to night football. It's like... like That's uh, what I was telling him. It's like Thanksgiving Day football. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You got... Well, you're 11 o'clock, whatever time game. And then it's just all throughout the whole day. And it's like, if you're wanting to watch football, we're the place to be. If you want to watch baseball breaks, welcome. Cause we got a full slate for you all day long. Do you find the pick your player uh, breaks are harder to fill than a pick your team? No, I think, you know, I think they're easier. Yeah. Honestly. How many, in, how many players, how many players are, are in a pick your player break? Like hundred and. 10 all the way to like 400 players. Uh, it just depends on the product. But like there's some instances where it doesn't really make sense for people necessarily to get in the player break because sometimes the way the checklist is, we have to, you know, like on some breaks, the Orioles, or now that's a bad example. Let's say the Yankees. Like some things like Volpe is like the majority of it, right? Yeah. So it's like it might even be cheaper for you to buy all the Yankees in 20 cases of like a museum than to just get Volpe in 20 cases. Mm -hmm. But it is sick value. If you're not looking for like Volpe, if you're looking for say like an Anthony Rizzo. Yeah. Right. If you want a Rizzo in museum for 20 cases, you're going to have to buy the Yankees. If you want Rizzo in 20 cases, of museum pick your player, it's 40 bucks or something like that. So now it's like your pearl probably hit something in 40 cases. Yeah. You know what I mean? Realistically. You know what I mean? There's yeah. people that can say, I like this rookie. He's not the most expensive guy. I don't want to have to buy the Marlins yeah. for these cases. I just want this guy. And it's like, this is the perfect format for most people. Um, have, have you guys gotten word yet if uh, if Brady's going to be in there? Does anyone know? I can't deny. What? I said I can't confirm nor deny. I don't know. All right. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's because uh, that's I mean, that's people have been asking for sure. Have I you mean, talked to me? We may have. So, Pardon? I said we may have sold his spot already, but I don't know. <laughs> that's a yes, then. <laughs> you said it. Um, I mean, talk to me about like a hundred case allocation, right? There's. There's people out there that are, I mean, not happy about the fact that you guys have a hundred case allocation. I mean, probably more than that if you're running a hundred case break. At the very least, you got off the bat hundred cases. Um, you know, what do you say to the person who says that this is preventing them from getting a box or from 
maybe getting their their local card shop from getting more boxes. All right. I'm going to ruffle so many feathers. <laughs> Let's do it. Look, this is a fact of the matter, man. The game changed. Um, the way the game was set up originally was bullshit. Like, and this is me coming in from the beginning, having to work my ass off to get to where it is. I had to buy product at trash prices to hopefully get an allocation. Like that's dog shit. Like, let's just call it what it is. Like, why do I have to buy product at a terrible price, barely make money so I could hopefully get a piece of the pie? Like, no, nah, it's about talent. Like if you're good at what you do, if you could help the hobby grow bring more people into the hobby, be a presence in the hobby, have a brand. Like why is somebody that just happened to be in the right place at the right time? That's not doing anything with it. Why are they entitled to what they're getting? Like, and you're talking about distributors, right? Talking about distributors and then people that were getting a hefty allocation. Yeah. That are now that, you know, somebody like us is getting a big allocation. Like we earn that. I don't like if anybody's going to say we didn't, we earn the shit out of anything we're getting right now. Nobody's handing us anything. Nobody's giving us anything for free. Like we grinded and built this brand over the last six years. And it's like, we deserve it. And anybody that's not getting allocation, what are you doing? Like look in the mirror. If you're not getting what you feel like you should be getting, do you deserve it really? Like, are you putting in the work? Like this isn't something where it's like, yo, you're half in half out. Like you see a lot of people shrinking the hobby shrinking with breakers. People were half in cause they were making money. Now they're hundred percent out cause it actually is work. Like yeah. if you weren't willing to make 50 K when you started, you're probably out right now. You know, you're probably not trying to grind it out right now. Yeah. And I mean, and, and Michael Rubin has said multiple times that he, he, he wants, I mean, he obviously said like 10 next, I don't know who's came up with this 10 X the hobby thing, but that's like the most quoted, you know, how can we 10 X the hobby? Um, and, and his biggest thing is marketing. I mean, when he, when he, when he bought tops, when fanatics bought tops, he said that, you know, the, the market existed It this like billion dollar market existed without any marketing. And that like, I mean, essentially his, his goal was to market the shit out of this. My biggest thing when, when people say stuff like that is I just don't know how many of them were, would be as intrigued to 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 buy boxes as as they like as the prices continue to increase you know what i mean like you can't really go back and say like like the average person who was just buying a box for the sake of buying a box as prices continue to increase of course i feel bad for that person right mm -hmm. um because i mean their their cost has continued to go up and and they all they want to do is buy and they they probably don't sell and like we all know someone like that right and that's awful but the people who are like upset that they're not the ones making the money i just don't i'm like i don't understand how you can sit here and be so upset that you're not the one making the money it, you know maybe you need to pivot your business model maybe you need to pivot the way that you do business in general like i mean this has happened so many times in the sports card market where you know people are making a lot of money doing something and then there's a correction i mean it happened with psa right psa was people were making a killing submitting with psa right early early 2020 the people that were submitting with PSA made a fortune. The amount of base tens that came back that they sold for 10x value just because they were tens, um, they were fucking killing it. And then all of a sudden, PSA increases prices, turnaround times are a lot longer, a massive adjustment takes place, right? So 
Um, and, you know, I'm not by any means justifying the increase in, in, in box prices or any of that stuff. But, you know, with that comes a lot of the innovation that has happened up until this point. And I just don't you can't really look at it and be like, well, we can't like you can't go backwards anymore. Right. So yeah. we are where we are. I, I think that I've had this conversation with a few people, um, you know, P. Ryan included. Like, I think that we're in a place now where there's. I think there's, there's, there should be more education. I think there's a good amount of education out there. If you look for it, I think if you're actually looking for education, there's enough avenues that you can go to where you can consume enough to, to help you get by. I think that more and more people are refining their collections and their niches. And I think that there's more dialogue now than ever about ands versus ors. And I'll explain what that means. I think that more people now are are really leaning into like to the PC comment. You know, if I like game used mem, like I'm collecting that and sports cards. Whereas before it was like, I need to pick a lane. I think now people are like, what do I really like? Like, do I like fucking shoes and cards? Like, there's nothing wrong with liking both. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can like multiple forms of collectibles. Most of us grew up as collectors period. So we were fucking collecting. I know I was collecting fossils growing up. Like I was collecting rocks. I was, you know what I mean? Like I just, I w- I've always been a collector of, of all kinds, you know, like I've been a fucking hoarder my whole life. Right. So I think that we live in now more than ever the world of ands, which I love. I think that a lot of people are really refining and ironically enough, those are like almost hypocritical statements, but I think a lot of people are refining what they actually like. And, um, What's what's resulted in that is I think the people who are participating in breaks, they participate with the people they, they, that they participate with because they know what they're getting. They know the service. Right. And and ultimately you pay for service. Right. Like that's kind of like you. The reason why you go to a fancy restaurant versus a McDonald's. Right. Like because you you know what the service is going to be, you know, what the quality is going to be like. You can't sit, sit in front of a, a fancy restaurant and be like, why is this burger $35 and one at McDonald's is 11? You're like, well, I mean, there's a big difference between these burgers, even though they're both comprised of mainly the same stuff. Um, that's kind of my take. Obviously, um, I mean, you I, you know, I have a relationship. At That being said, I know that breaks aren't for me, you know? So like me personally, I'm not buying into a break. Why? Because I know that I can just buy the guy I want if I wait six months, you know what I mean? If I wait six months or I wait a year or nine months or whatever the case may be, I am willing to sacrifice the fact that this guy could pop off in the next nine months and his shit could get completely unattainable. But at the same time, I'm willing to take those odds because I think that most people either get bored with the cards that they hit or get bored with their collections in general. And I will probably be able to buy in at like a dip of some kind if I just wait. So I mean, all that to say that I think the market has now started to do exactly whatever the fuck everyone wants. Oh, for sure. And I think that's the beauty of the hobby is there's got to be somebody like you doing what you're doing in order for the ecosystem to work because somebody that pulls that card needs to be able to sell it. You know, I agree. Yes. Right. I want to buy it from that person down the road. Uh, One thing I want to touch on, though, that I didn't even mention is I think one of the biggest mess ups that people in the hobby made during this whole period is, you know, when you mentioned the allocation, a lot of people, man, played the wholesale game. That was, uh, well, that's one thing we didn't go hundred percent in. We, we dabbled, we didn't go hard with it. And 
rather than build a brand, they were building their bankroll. So they were like, hey, listen, I'll buy all this stuff. I'll lose 2%, even make 2%, build, 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 get the allocation, flip that, make the money off of that. But it's like, yeah, you're getting rich off of sports cards, you know, but when the distributors went bye-bye, so, you know, where you have nothing to show for it. You got a quick, there are people in the game for a long time, longer than me doing it. And they were making money hand over fist. And it was relatively easy money, truthfully. You know what I mean? Because like they were, they were the middlemen. They were the middlemen, right? So, somebody like Fanatics is like, yo, you can't wholesale anymore. Now what? Oh, you mean you have to break it? Mm. Good luck. Yeah. You got a hundred. I mean, and that's kind of where the experience comes from, right? Like, I mean, the fact that like, you I, again, like, I mean, at the end of the day, breaking is an experience and like it's a part of the hobby now. I don't know if the hobby would have grown. I mean, I know the hobby wouldn't have grown to where it is right now if it wasn't for breaking. Like and and the thing is, people don't have to participate in breaks. And that's why I don't I, sometimes I just don't understand why people are so just angry, just angry, 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 angry about breaks. And again, like if it's, if it's the average person who whose box prices went up, I'm sorry. But at the same time. I'm sitting on the sidelines like a vulture buying whatever the fuck I want for, uh, you know, a tenth of the price of the box. <laughs> and, you know, like you can look at the look at these products. And like I said, if you wait six months, you can buy like a product hit in most cases for the the the, the price of maybe two or three boxes. And it it's always been like that, you know, like. And if you just fucking wait, it's just a different numbers now. But it's always kind of been like that where you yeah. can you can buy a product. That you were talking about hitting like an Otani thirty five hundred bucks. You know, if you were to line that up with the cost of boxes back then, although thirty five hundred dollars isn't the twenty thousand it is now. But if you were to line that up, maybe with the boxes, you might see that like it's pretty similar where that could have been like three or four or five boxes. Right. Like and that's like a product hit. So, I mean, that's my two cents. Yeah, I mean, listen, I open up wax myself, too. It's a terrible, like, it's not a good move to open up wax. Like, I say it, but it's also the experience. Like, you could do whatever you want. Like, I open that box up because I'm like, like, I just opened up a box of uh, Definitive the other day. Yeah. 2,500 bucks. But I'm like, I have a chance of getting this Otani roof. Yeah. Oh, and it's like, that's an experience. Like, I'm trying to hit that card. It's like the odds are low as hell. So it's like I want to I want to take a shot. Yeah. You know, and it's like breaks are the same way, you know, you could say I want to try to hit a gunner. I'm going to buy the Orioles for 350. So you how know? do you how do you feel if when someone says that breaking is like gambling? Everything's like gambling, man. Not just breaking. I mean, I would agree with you. I would agree with you, right? Like I mean, I my difference is like I said, and I'm comparing this to my my personal experience is like I gamble in the sense of like I'll buy the the prospect. Like I still buy prospects. I if I know like I only really buy players I know, uh, and I stick to my my what I know and what I see my eye test. But I gamble on on prospects. I gamble on the grades. Even you know what I mean. You said you send that card in. You're gambling because like that thing comes back an eight. You've lost money. That thing comes back a nine. You've probably lost money on the grading fee. Right. So, so there's so many aspects of this. Even if you were to buy a Mike Trout right now, you're gambling to a certain extent. If, if, if you're dabbling in the stock market, you're gambling. Yeah. Like 
you're you're gambling in almost everything you're doing. If you go buy a trout, like you said, unless you're buying that thing as a piece of art to put on the wall with no intention of ever selling it, you're gambling that that card doesn't go down. It's like anything that you're that you buy like that you're investing in, you're gambling at the end of the day. That's so it's it. like it's really like no different. Yeah, I love that. Brother, talk to me about, uh, you know, what can we do collectively as a hobby to continue to grow the space and and maybe, you know, make it so that new entrants, you know, as as all this new marketing comes and, and hope maybe people from other aspects of life kind of venture in. What can we do to create a safe space and dynamic for, for newcomers into the hobby? I think the number one thing um, is like people just have to shift their mindset. Like people are dicks, you know, like there's so many dicks in the hobby. Um, just talking shit constantly to like newcomers or people that are just green and just so snobby, you know? And it's like people need to just learn in general in life, but especially in the hobby, just be nicer to each other. You know, you're not cool. Cause you're leaving a comment on somebody's post from a burner. Like that's not changing anybody's life. Yeah. Like, Try, try to like impact someone's life. If you think what they're doing isn't right, like help them tell them why what they're doing isn't right. Don't just hit them with that laughing emoji that everyone gets hit on, especially on Facebook. There's nothing worse. Somebody makes a post and it's just like 90 reactions and 86 laughy faces. And you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, this guy's about to get depressed when he reads this thread. Facebook is a different beast, bro. Facebook. Yeah. I got I get some of my angriest messages on Facebook. Like like angry, angry. Like I, I don't even understand. I'm like, what are you angry about? Like, why are you you watched a 35 second video of me, bro? Like, just calm down. I, I think until like people in general change, like there's not much you can do. Like it, it starts at home. Like you gotta just be nicer to people in general. And like if you bring that positivity and that you know, genuine nice. Is niceness a word to the nice. hobby? I, I think niceness is a word. Yeah, if you could just bring that in, it just you know, it'll and act more receptive towards people. I think it'll just change the way. Like people get intimidated, you know. If somebody, somebody that walks into the hobby for the first time and dabbles, it's an intimidating space. A lot of moving parts, a lot of moving pieces, and like you're gonna ask questions. You're no one's gonna step in and just pick it up, you know. But like they ask their first question and get crucified most of the time. And that's the problem. Which is, I mean, you're right, right? Like, I mean, at the end of the day, like the people are asking questions because they don't know. So, I mean, and I still, there's a lot of things that like I ask questions about and like, I don't know. And every time I, I try, I get fucking just roasted alive. And I'm like, who, like, where did you, where did you get the, 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 the hobby handbook? You know, like, where can I purchase this thing? Because like, I don't fucking, where did you get this fucking information from? Because I can't find it anywhere. You know, yeah. I don't know. It's hilarious. Steven, man, I want to appreciate you for jumping on today. Uh, tell everyone where they can find you, where they can maybe reach out to you about maybe becoming a breaker or getting into a break or if they have some, questions that they, they they want answered about maybe getting into the sports card hobby where can they reach out to you where can they where can they find your business so we're live seven days a week on fanatics live so if you just hop on the app chances are you're going to find us um also our facebook group case breaks by philip bomb breaks that's where you know 
you'll actually be able to reach me, uh, John, my brother-in-law. Uh, it's cause you know, you can see our profiles, Yeah, I, you know, reach out, uh, Instagram, Philip bomb breaks, X, Philip bomb breaks, TikTok, Philip bomb breaks, everything, basically that, um, you get my personal up, Steven underscore Philip bomb. I have like a hundred followers. Hey, bro, we gotta add to that. We gotta add to that, man. We need we need Steven's Instagram club to come up. And I never push it. I was I like, who's this? I'm like, who's this guy on the Fanatics Live with about 100 followers? <laughs> no, my, my first, I have 11 followers on Fanatics Live. <laughs> my my first picture on Instagram is just me and my, and it has like six. <laughs> I love it. Steve, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Cardboard Coach. Steven, thank you so much for jumping on here today. Guys, uh, Check out Philip on breaks and uh, let me know how you feel about this whole episode in the comment section. Take care, everybody. Coach Co out of here.